If you turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 30, it's found on page 702. We're going to start at verse 15, Isaiah 30. Starting at verse 15. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning in rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses, therefore you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds, therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, at the threat of five you shall flee, till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is the God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Recently in my devotions, I've been studying the book of uh, Jeremiah. And if you want to read about somebody who did not have an easy life, it's Jeremiah. God told him, I want you to be my mouthpiece and and proclaim my word to the people. But yet, even as he said that, he says, but they're not going to listen to you. But that didn't matter. He still had to proclaim the good news. And the people didn't care for that. They didn't like Jeremiah. In fact, they hated him. And they did terrible things to him, um, beating him and throwing him in, in prison and even in a well. And It was not an easy life that he lived. And even though God called his people to repentance, warning them of the coming judgment, because of their disobedience, yet they were unwilling to listen. If only God says in Jeremiah 5, if he could have found one person, one person who was righteous, who still had their eyes on him, he would have spared the people, but he couldn't even find one except for Jeremiah, of course. And so God told him that he was going to send Assyria. But the people didn't like that. Instead of being motivated to change, they just dug in their heels and they decided they were going to do what they wanted to do. Despite our text in Jeremiah, I I think the issues that we see in Jeremiah, we see the same things in in Isaiah and what we're, we're looking at today. And even though it's now Isaiah is 250 years before Jeremiah, yet those same problems are there. And it's amazing how Israel didn't learn their lesson. Just like it's amazing we don't learn our lesson too, right? Because we can easily do the same thing. But listen listen to verses 8 through 11 again. Go now, write write it on a tablet for them, inscribe it on a scroll, that for the days to come it may be an everlasting witness. For these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to their seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things, prophesy illusions, leave this way, get off this path, and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. 
God's people were rejecting him. They were more interested in a lie than the truth because the lie made them more comfortable. With a lie, they didn't have to change. With a lie, they could just keep doing what they had been doing. And even though Jeremiah warned them what was coming, they refused to listen. And so as a result of that, they were missing out on God's blessing because God loved his people and he wanted to bless them. I mean, listen to what God said. God says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and in trust will be your strength. God wanted his people to rest, to enjoy the fruits of the promised land. But they were stubborn. And they kept going back to the gods of the nations around them, and they kept trying to do things in their own strength and in their own wisdom, and they made a big mess of things. Yet God was faithful. And because God was faithful, even as he disciplined his people, He still loved them. The goal was not to get rid of them, but to restore them, to bring them back into the fold. So Israel had a choice to make. How would they handle the threat? Assyria. What would they do? Jeremiah is telling them, God wants to bless you. God wants to help you, protect you, win the battle for you. Are you ready to claim God's promises and... They said, no, we'll figure it out ourselves. Verse 15, the end of it. But you were unwilling, and you said, no, we will flee upon horses. Therefore, we shall flee away, and we shall ride upon swift steeds. You ever rode a horse at a full gallop? Some of you had horses growing up. Remember when we were in New Mexico, um, I was helping a a fella um, round up a bull, and We had probably traveled about two miles when suddenly this bull turned around and he wanted to go. And so we probably chased him a mile over ravines and through ravines and over prairie dog holes and through some of the roughest country. And it was exhilarating. And yet it was scary at the same time because you really got to trust your horse that he's going to keep his feet under him. Because when you're running that fast, you don't have time to think and you really just got to give the horse the reins and give him a little bit of freedom. Despite God wanting to bless his people and protect them, we're told Judah took matters into their own hands. and They decided to ride some fast horses. And the way they did this was by going to Egypt. Or in our, our, our text, it talks about Rahab, which is just another word, poetic word for, for Egypt. We flee upon horses, therefore we shall flee away and we shall ride upon Swift steeds. You know, an army back then with horses was a formidable enemy. I mean, a, a formidable force. You know, they could, they could, they could hold their own. They could often win, win the battle. And, and so our, our passage says that they turned to Egypt to protect them, to keep them safe. That was a mistake, though, wasn't it? Because Scripture is clear. God said in in Scripture to his people, you may not do that. You may not return to Egypt ever. Listen to Deuteronomy 17, 16. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt. 
to get more of them, for the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. They wanted to make an alliance with the very ones that once held them in captivity. They were their slave masters. Yet rather than go to God, they're returning to Egypt. It made no sense. I think it just goes to show you just how afraid they were and how little they, they trusted God. Because, again, God wanted to bless them. But they were refusing. And just as God said their fast horses would not save them, Egypt couldn't do that for them as well. We have to turn to other passages, but there, there, there's kind of a story here of, of what happened. They sent representatives to Egypt, um, to the Pharaoh at that time, which I think it was uh, Pharaoh, uh, oh, Shababuk, I think his name was. And it was the weakest dynasty that Egypt ever had. They really made, on a human level, in reasoning, they, they blew it because there's no way that he could protect Israel. But then again, on the spiritual sense, God had forbidden them from doing that in the first place. They were disobedient. I know in my own life, the Lord has convicted me of this at times. Start doing things in my own strength. It's easy to jump on that fast horse, isn't it? And you're riding and riding and riding for the Lord. Doing things for Him. Helping people. For me, doing what a pastor is supposed to do, but what happens when you ride that fast horse without depending on God? After a while, you get wore out, you get tired. You don't feel like you can go on. You feel far from God. You feel distant because you're depending on yourself. You're trying to do things in your own strength. It's not that I didn't love the Lord, but we so easily mistakenly think that it's what we do for the Lord that's what's important but even more important than that what comes first is who we are in the Lord are you walking with him are you spending time with him each day or are you riding that fast horse and going and going and going and then you feel worn out and after a while you feel miserable I remember when I was going through that, Lord told me, you got to get down. You got to get off that fast horse. And you got to start depending on me. You got to put your trust in me. And it's hard to get off that horse because you're going places. You're, you're going so fast. Once I had my feet on the ground again, standing upon the rock, it's amazing how things changed. Instead of feeling like I was far from God, you begin to walk with God again. You, you, you experience that intimacy. You experience God's salvation. See, it's so easy to think that it's what we do that is pleasing to God, but we've got to get that out of our heads. Our relationship really is that important. And it needs to be a priority in our our lives. Listen how verse 18 so beautifully puts it. The Lord waits to be gracious to you. You hear that? 
The Lord waits to be gracious to you. He wants to bless you. It's his heart, his heart's desire to show mercy to you. Blessed are those who wait for him. This morning, what horse do you find yourself riding? What have you been deceived into thinking would be your salvation and bring you happiness and and joy and peace? Have you been riding the horse of workaholism? Mistakenly thinking that a little extra money will give you your heart's desire. All those hours at work, and for what? Look at all that you miss out on. Your family, relationships, your church. But yet you ride that fast horse day after day after day, and you're just getting more and more weary, and you wonder, there's got to be more to life than this. Why do I feel so empty? Isn't it time to get off that fast horse? Or maybe your horse is fear. Fear of the future. Fear of being alone. So you ride that horse at a full gallop. You're not really sure where you're going, but you're riding and you're riding. Unaware of all that you're missing. Or maybe for some of you, it's a past that you're running from. Things that you've done in the past. Things that have happened to you. And so you ride and ride and trying to get away. Yet your past is always right there because you've never dealt with it. Or maybe it's an addiction to alcohol, sex, pornography. And as you ride that horse, ask yourself, is it delivering what it promised, what it said it was going to give you, or has it left you empty? Longing for something greater, something more. Something that can only be found in Christ Jesus. And parents, this means we got to help our children too because they're riding those fast horses. They're going and going and going, sports and all these things in their lives, and we got to encourage them to slow down, to get off that horse, to refocus their eyes on what's really important, to put their trust in the Lord. But if our kids are going to do that, it's got to start with us, right? We got to show them the example of what it means to trust in the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 32, verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. No king is saved by the size of his army. This is applicable, isn't it? No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love. God says, get off that horse and trust me. Walk with me. You'll have all the strength you need to do what I've called you to. It's time to get off those fast horses. And enter, enter into Christ's peace and love. It's time to rediscover that the joy of the Lord, it's our strength, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And as the prodigal son came home and his father waited with his arms open wide, that's how God waits for each of you. To return home. So that he might bless you. Put that ring on your finger, sandals on your feet, a robe around you. 
all signs of blessing. That's what God wants to do for each of us if we will just put our trust in him. It's going to be awkward getting off that horse. If you've ridden a horse for a while, you know what it's like, right? Ow, you're, you're kind of bow-legged. It just hurts. That's what it's going to seem like. Getting off that fast horse you've been riding for so long. You're comfortable on that horse. It it seems like this is right, even though it's wrong. But if you will trust the Lord enough and get off that horse and begin to walk with our Savior, (laughs) uh oh. I just need to say amen now, right? (laughs) I can. Christ's way is so much better. Because it's only through him that you will find rest and salvation and quietness and trust as your strength. It can only be found in the Lord. It's so easy to be like that flag on a hilltop. We feel all alone. We're blowing in the wind. We're doing something. We're blowing. But God says that's not the way it's supposed to be. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Or as Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Who can say amen to that? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for inviting us to get off those fast horses, those things that are wearing us down. Forgive us that we've put our trust in things that they can't fulfill the promises they've made to us. And so, Lord, this morning we again turn to you. And we just pray, Lord, that you might fill our lives with your presence that we might trust in you and it might, be, it might show that we're trusting in you. Father, we just thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who made this all possible for loving us with an everlasting love. We pray that that same love might be evident in our lives as we go from here today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.